0: Good morning. It's uh, it's good to be here. This is this is a good place to come back to, especially on October the 11th. Actually, it was October the 11th uh, that I met my wife at this book at this uh, place. 19 years ago. 19 years ago. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Anyway, so um, what I'm going to do is this today. I'm going to. Uh, Uh, just tell you a little bit about going and sowing ministries you've never heard of it before because technically it doesn't actually exist it's just what i call it it's it's a guy who is sent out from his local church to do evangelism that's what it is that's me and uh, so i'm actually quite for the local church and I'm, i'm very concerned about the amount of missions and evangelism that is done outside and literally divorced from the local church that really bothers me a lot and so I've been encouraging people to uh, get plugged into the local church and have their local church send them. And my local church is called Fundamental Bible Church in Middleborough, Nova Scotia. And I used to be the pastor in uh, Tatamagush, Nova Scotia, a little church called Sunrise Baptist Church, which is Alicia's home church and Jamie's home church. And Bria uh, says hi, by the way, to Martha and Elizabeth and, and Jamie and Alicia. So, what we're going to do today is just run you through 12 months in about uh, 20 minutes. Just to kind of give you a flavor of uh, what this ministry is all about. Hopefully to encourage, challenge some of you uh, young people in the area of evangelism. Hopefully at least one of you will come up to me after chapel and say, Man, this is awesome. Maybe you'll pull a Rob Greenwood and say, I want to do that. I want to follow you around, Kirk. For the next six months, Uh, do you mind, Kirk? I get an email, do you mind if I, uh, like, be your shadow for six months from, like, July till Christmas? I'm like, "Uh, sure, that'd be great. So that's what Rob's doing this year. He worked like like a dog for two months after uh, school to do some tree planting, made a bunch of money, and now he's living uh, off that money, and he's going everywhere I go, pretty much everything from July forward in these slides. If you don't see Rob, Rob was there, so... uh, (coughs) But he was, he was there passing out tracks, and open-air preaching. You'll see some stuff here. So anyway, so let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, this is my family. This picture was taken <clears throat> just a couple weeks ago on Prince Edward Island. Uh, Denise and I have been married 17 years. Kyle's 13. Oh, my little red thing's not working. Oh, maybe my finger's in the way. There we go. Kyle's 13. <laughs> Bria's 12. Silas is 9. And Abby just turned 8. So we're really blessed. The Lord's blessed us. We believe pretty strongly in homeschooling. And uh, the Lord's blessed us a lot with a wonderful family. So one of my favorites is Mr. Charles Spurgeon. If you would win souls, you must seek them. The sportsman knows that his game will not come to the window of his house to be shot. The fisherman knows that the fish will not come swimming up to his house. Do they not go abroad and seek their prey? So must you and I. So this is pretty much the heartbeat of... uh, going and selling ministries just to get out there where the people are. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but uh, there are less and less people attending evangelical churches in this country. Uh, I just got an email 48 hours ago saying that for the first time in American history, the number of Protestant adults is less than 50%. That's the first time in in recorded history of the United States of America that less than 50% of all adults call themselves Protestant. So there's there's a work to be done, young people. I I recently read that Christianity is on the increase in every single continent of the globe except for one. Guess which one? North America. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, if that's true, there's a work to be done here. I'm not against missions, as a matter of fact. I love missions, but there's plenty of work to be done here. And one of the things that has been kind of neglected over the last, I don't know, 40 or 50 years is that of open air preaching. And that's some artist's rendition of Mr. George Whitfield. And so this is us on Spring Garden Road preaching the gospel. And this, I'm standing on a milk crate and I'm six feet tall and it's kind of cold, so I've got a hat on. And uh, this woman, this is her message that night. Nobody should stand on, elevate themselves and lift their voice to be heard over another person. You're kidding me, right? (laughs) Mind you, she was pretty intoxicated, but this is, this is Spring Garden Road in Halifax. Uh, This, uh, this is taken like from the McDonald's entranceway, sort of. So here's me standing on a milk crate, and there's the lady uh, sitting down, smoking a cigarette. And she's listening now to the gospel. Her friend here convinced her to sit down. And uh, these people, she's just come out of the bar over here, and she's listening, and you know what, I'm a firm believer that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the, the Word of God. So we believe that verse. Uh, the idea is to go to where the people are. And so this is pretty much most Friday nights, unless I'm invited elsewhere. This is where you'll find me and some friends of mine is on Spring Garden Road in Halifax. We also do, I apologize that some of these pictures are pretty brutal, but this is, uh, this is my wife. We pass out tracks. This is during the Christmas parade in Churro, so me and my wife and two kids on one side of the road and me and two kids on the other side of the road passing out gospel tracks now, this is an outreach in wallace uh nova scotia i think you were at that one weren't you uh, you were there that night weren't you martha yeah um just out there that that particular message says christmas love chris that was going to say love in a minute with the sketchboard we use a sketchboard sometimes it's a pretty good tool for drawing a crowd um I took that M and flipped it upside down and made it Christ was love. So, so it's, and it, <clears throat> this is, uh, New Year's Eve, downtown Halifax is always a big deal. Uh, big block off Argyle street and a couple other streets. And this woman said, uh, I'm an atheist. Have you, you ever bumped into an atheist? Atheism is on the rise big time. Um, uh, that same report that said less than 50% of Americans now are Protestant, Uh, in the last five years, atheism has risen from 15% to 20%. Uh, So she says, I'm an atheist. Well, if I had time, I could uh, teach that, you know, maybe you already know this, but there's no such thing as an atheist. In order to say there is no God, you must possess all of the knowledge in the universe. To make that claim, that's what you have to... You have to to know everything. So I said to Jessica here, uh, how much of all of the information in the universe do you personally possess? Oh, very little. 1%? Oh, I doubt it. Probably a one millionth of 1%. So I said, well, in that 99.9999% that you've yet to come across, do you think there may be ample evidence, Jessica, to prove that there is a God? Maybe. I never thought of that, she said. Well, I'll tell you what... Why don't you take this? It's a, it's a Bible. It's called the Atheist Bible. anybody ever seen the Atheist Bible? Basically, it's a, it's Ray Comfort's uh, trickery to get atheists to read the Bible. So you know, oh, I'll take an Atheist Bible. Underneath it says, <laughs> underneath it says the Unauthorized Version, and uh, <laughs> so so she took an Atheist Bible, and then two weeks later, this guy, his name's John, see him on Street, Garden Road all the time. All his friends call him Jesus. And he said, uh, hey, uh, can I have an atheist Bible? I'm like, how do you know I give out an atheist Bible? He gave one to my friend Jessica a couple weeks ago. I was all right. Last Friday night. Was it last Friday night or the Friday night before? I ran into John again and I said, hey, John, how's your atheist Bible? And, well, I don't read it anymore. It's trying to convert me to Christianity, he says. <laughs> well, that's the point, buddy. So this is uh, Spring Garden Road. This is... I'm going to be honest with you. I, I enjoy preaching and feeling my toes at the same time. I, one of the things I took for granted when I was a pastor was, you know, preaching while feeling your toes at the same time. And uh, <clears throat> I'm telling you, January and February, it's tough. It's tough. This is, you know, there's not many people out and about, <laughs> obviously. And when it's minus 15, minus 20, you're not going to get them standing in the open air to hear a two-hour sermon, right? So you've got to kind of keep it fairly short. And so we preach for, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And when I started to preach this one, uh, I, to be honest, I didn't really want to. This guy here is always intoxicated. I, don't, I forget his name, Richard or something. This guy's always in Spring Garden Road, and he's always, always intoxicated. Never seen him sober once. But these three young guys came by, and these three young guys came by. And Halifax is kind of a university town, and, and I was tired, and I was like, well, I don't really want to preach. But I thought, well, I, I, you know, part of being a man is doing your job whether you want to or not so I'm going to do it suck it up and do it there wasn't many people around listen these six guys asked awesome questions that night it was great when I when I stepped down from the from the milk crate uh one of them came up with a very sincere uh thank you and said listen shook my hand said you got a lot of you got a lot of guts I will say to uh to do to do that uh and I got I just want to Thank you. Me and my friends literally stopped here to mock you. We figure anybody who stands on a box on Spring Garden Road at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday has to be either insane or stupid, one of the two. But, uh, you know, you really answered a lot of our questions, and I want to thank you. And he took my email address and the gospel tract, and uh, the other five guys came over and shook my hand as well. It was, I don't know, I just like that picture because it brings good memories of a night that. I was kind of cold and miserable and tired and uh, wanted to go home. But God blessed that effort. And uh, yeah, so you can't see the top there. Actually, neither can I. But uh, it says, I believe I was never more acceptable to my master than when I was standing to teach those hearers in the open fields. I now preach to 10 times more people than I should if I'd been confined to the churches. Um, Open air preaching is biblical. Jesus, Peter, Paul. uh, It's it's, uh, historical. Uh, Spurgeon, Whitfield, uh, recently found out that E.M. Bounds was an open-air preacher, man of prayer, uh, and it's also needed today. It's also needed today. I wouldn't be surprised if God is calling two or three, maybe four or five of you young men to get out there and be bold for Jesus Christ, not be ashamed of the gospel, even this school year. Uh, by the way, that's you say, Kirk. Have you ever been? That sounds kind of scary. Have you ever been scared? Uh, No, no, I've never been scared once out there. Okay, scared is like... Scared is down here, man. You get scared and you got like terrified. You got like horrified, okay? Uh, Mortified. I've been utterly mortified. Do you know what it means to be utterly mortified, young people? What does it mean? To be utterly mortified means to be scared to death, okay? Scared? That's nothing. Scared is like, you know when you're trying to cross this busy street corner. This is, this is terrifying, okay? If you're going to stand up, if you're going to stay, I'll show you some pictures of terrifying when Rob and I were down at uh, Temple University in Philadelphia, uh, University of Pennsylvania, uh, Camden, New Jersey, and uh, Westchester University in Westchester, Pennsylvania, a couple of weeks ago. That was, that was the most intense thing I've ever seen in my life. So uh, teaching evangelism here was good. uh, Mexico. Went down to Mexico this past March and preached in front of a massive Catholic church. And when I mean massive, I mean from here to here is only about one-tenth of this Catholic church. This thing goes all the way. It's just unbelievable. So we, uh, this guy's a really good local Baptist pastor down there doing an awesome work. Uh, Steve Montgomery is his name. And uh, yeah, I used to see people saved left, right, and center down there out of Catholicism. So it was a real privilege to go down there. this guy is named Ron. I wish I had time to tell you about Ron. Uh, Ron, well, listen, if you want an interesting story, you come up at my table and ask me about Ron because I, I really, I don't have a lot of time here. I've got to f- kind of fly. I've got a lot of r- Ron. Oh, man. Anyway, so we'll keep going here. Ron heckled me worse than anybody has ever heckled me in my life. He screamed and yelled things that I would never repeat and he was in my face screaming and yelling, you're such a, you know. And uh, I said, uh, anyway, now the guy's like, every time he sees me on the streets, he hugs me. Because I bought him a Tim Hortons coffee after he screamed and yelled at me. It's amazing how kindness can kill bitterness and hatred. It's just amazing. I'm starting to learn that now. By, I usually don't go out in the streets without Tim Hortons gift cards and give those out to people. I'd never give out cash, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that guy he's quite a guy he's a lot closer than he used to be I know that, that's for sure this guy here, he's a character his name's Mark, he's about 6 foot 20 and he uh, (laughs) I witnessed to him about a year and a half ago Uh, he ended up getting saved and then his I get a call from a local uh, what do you call it, Brethren Assembly and they say, hey Kirk, we want you to come you know January or February or March picked the Sunday. I said, "Well, I, I can't. The only Sunday I can come is March 25th." Oh, he says, "Great. We're going to have a baptism that Sunday. You can speak at the baptism." The guy who was getting baptized that day was the guy that I witnessed to a year and a half earlier. Does that encourage anybody in the room? <laughs> not only was he getting baptized that day, not only was he getting baptized that day, he also got married that morning as well, Sunday morning, to his living girlfriend. The Lord has changed this guy's life. It's so awesome. He comes out in the streets with us now. We were at the Gay Pride Parade back in July, and he was out passing out tracks. Uh, we weren't at the Gay Pride Parade. We, we passed out tracks about a half an hour before the Gay Pride Parade started. Let me just clarify that. Uh, so this is Moncton Market. Uh, some of my friends are here. You wouldn't know most of them anyway. But uh, yeah, anyway, so we go into nursing homes as well. Our children uh, sing uh, scripture. They've got about thirty or forty songs memorized. Some of them entire chapters of the Bible. So that's a really good way to um, communicate the scriptures to these uh, seniors. They just love it. Uh, usually the, the 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 people will come to hear my children sing, and then when I preach, most of them leave. But <laughs> but it's okay. The word of God's going forth. Uh, Okay, uh, hmm, what's this one? Give me the top line there, guys. I can't see it. Can you see it? Nope. Oh, nope. It says uh, something about no excuse is necessary for preaching the gospel out of doors, but it would need very potent arguments to prove that a man had done his duty who had never preached beyond the walls of his meeting place. Charles Spurgeon encouraging young men, uh, even pastors, to get out of their meeting place walls every once in a while and uh, preach the gospel out of doors. <clears throat> it's, y- you know, when I go to churches and present the ministry, of this, this ministry, about 50 per- 40 to 50% of the time I'll get an old person, usually at least 65, usually 70 or older. And they'll say to me, <clears throat> you know, Kirk, when I was a young guy, like 17, 50-some years ago, when I was a young person, My uncle used to grab an accordion or something and we'd go out on the street corner and somebody would share a testimony and we'd sing and somebody else would preach the gospel. And then they'd say something like this. Funny, haven't done much of that in the last 50 or 60 years. So this used to be a a very much more common thing than it is now. Um, The alternative has been to, you know, it's hard obviously, so instead of doing that, let's just invite them in. I'm a firm believer that church is for the, uh, for the for the believers to be taught and edified and strengthened and equipped to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. These are just <clears throat> encounters that I've had. I'm kind of running out of time. Uh, this is uh, a Bible chapel. Uh, this is the Bible chapel that I spoke when the guy got baptized in in Dartmouth. And th- they've got a really neat thing going on here. They've got all kinds of... <clears throat> Children from the local community coming in, and I was able to bring the sketchboard and, and share the gospel that night. Sometimes we use a sketchboard; sometimes we don't. Uh, Halifax. I love to go to Bible camps. Uh, Bible camps a great ministry. Here we were Living Waters this past year, as well as Camp Livingstone in Quebec, and Arrowhead Native Bible Camp. <clears throat> it's a good time up there at Arrowhead. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with their arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And say the last line with me, will you please? And let not one go there unwarned or unprayed for. Isn't that powerful? That's kind of like that. But if there was one line that summarized this ministry, it's let not one go there <clears throat> unwarned or unprayed for. So the tall ships were in Halifax there, so we were down there on the waterfront with the sketchboard and preaching the gospel. My family was able to join me. The Gay Pride Parade was huge this year. I mean huge, like thousands and thousands of people. This is the 25th anniversary, so it was like a homecoming of sorts. I wouldn't be surprised if the Christmas parade in Halifax is not as big as the Gay Pride Parade this year in Halifax. It was unbelievable. Rob will testify that this is true. And there was only four of us, two guys on each side of the street, passing out gospel tracts. By the way, if you don't believe that man is lost and wretched and wicked and evil, I invite you to come with me next year to the Gay Pride Parade. It's the last Saturday of July. And just pass out gospel tracts with me. And you will hear some things that will just make your blood curl. It was unbelievable. Normally we have some gospel tracts that will give me what's called a getaway time. You know, like cute little thing with a survey, and at the end, oh, by the way, you need Jesus, and by the time they figure that out, I'm gone, right? This year, this year, I didn't have those, so I was like, it, it says the good test, you flip it over, you know, are you a good person, would you, would God consider you a beauty? You get right into it, right off, no, no getaway time, and, and over my shoulders, I was walking, Always, <laughs> boys, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it was pretty, pretty unreal. Uh, many people saying things and screaming things at us and you know we weren't there to st- and one person said how dare you be here I said man we do all parades we're not just singling out your parade we do all kinds of different parades so anyway uh, this is in Pugwash, Nova Scotia an outreach with my local church um, this is my friend Luke doing open air preaching for the first time in Halifax uh, this oh man if you want another story to tell you about Nick Nick's a woman who thinks she's a man Wow. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, uh, we must school and train ourselves to deal personally with the unconverted. We must not excuse ourselves, but force ourselves to the irksome task until it becomes easy. It's irksome. There's no question about it. Uh, if you want to find out how irksome, you can come with me today at two o'clock. We're going to go into Woodstock doing outreach. You can meet me right here in front of the auditorium at two o'clock if you're able. I know some of you can't make it, but, uh, Two o'clock today and tomorrow we're going to go out to probably Woodstock today, Heartland tomorrow. Sure hope you can come. Nova Scotia exhibition. We passed out 25, uh, we didn't pass out 25, we had 25,000 of these gospel tracks printed. Has anybody ever been to the War Freight Rally in Digby, Nova Scotia? Uh, probably not. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people go there on Labor Day weekend. They're all motorcyclists. So We had 25,000 of these gospel tracks printed. These on the front, these on the back with my email right there. And Rob and uh, some other people went down and passed out 25,000, uh, about half. Oh, that's my timer. That's my timer. Tell me I'm almost done. Uh, passed out about half of those gospel tracks. Uh, yeah, just really good outreaches. That's, uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen was in Moncton, so we went down and passed out tracks at the Bruce Springsteen concert. A friend of mine got married. Robert right here said, hey, Kirk, you want to do my wedding? I said, sure. So we did that on Labor Day weekend. Now, this was at uh, Temple University in uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> we preached. There was about seven preachers, and we all took turns preaching, and finally the crowd drew. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty intense, actually. It's, I have never really experienced anything like that. This guy behind me is not with us. He's mocking the gospel. He made a homemade sign up and stood there and held it the entire time we were there while smoking a pipe. And... Uh, a lot of young people here, obviously very liberal. Uh, this is at University of Pennsylvania the next day. And uh, took a long time to get a crowd for that day, but we're able to preach. Uh, there's one thing I really enjoy about preaching in the United States as opposed to Canada. Uh, Americans have this wonderful um, concept of free speech that Canadians know almost nothing about. In Canada, if, you, if they don't like what you're hearing, they will find an RCMP officer. And the RCMP officer will t- tell you that you're breaking the law somehow. That's crazy. These guys, these guys were here. The police were there to protect us from the crowd. Can you believe that? I'm telling you. It's, I love preaching in the United States. I'll take the U.S. ten times over Canada because you can preach and you can call sin, sin. Uh, anyway, this was. take a good look at this picture, young people. Uh, this was in Westchester University. Check out Buddy here. This is a, a man. Check out what he's wearing. Okay, the, the, he's got a gay pride. We've got a, a ladder. that He's got on a milk crate. Queer Awareness Day. Okay? We, we had a sign earlier that said Sin Awareness Day. They had Queer Awareness Day. This guy here, his name's Alex. He was heckling us right around. Something awful. Awful. You know, the first thing, as soon as I got off that thing, you know what he said to me? I used to be one of you born-again Christians. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. He was very calm. While the preaching was going on, he was yelling and screaming. But as soon as the preaching was done, he was very calm, very nice. He said, I used to be one of you born-again Christians, but I don't believe that anymore. You guys are too narrow-minded, too legalistic, and so on and so forth. I said, you weren't a born-again Christian. Stop lying to yourself, Alex. If you were a born-again Christian, then you are a born-again Christian so uh, anyway uh, i 've kind of gone kind of fast. This was last Friday night, actually in Halifax. Um, this guy came up and literally started asking us questions because he sees us there we 're there so so much that people literally come up to us and start asking us questions. So this guy just walked right up to me and hey you 're one of those Christian guys right i got a few questions for you, so we talked to him for about an hour and i 'm going to end with Raymond Raymond. I talked to Raymond twice. Raymond is a pretty adamant homosexual man. Not just a homosexual, but an activist in the homosexual community. Witnessed to him twice. This is an old picture. And uh, on April the 21st, Raymond was murdered on Goddagen Street. He was beat to death outside of a club. And so I use this picture to motivate myself and to remind myself that, that this is serious. That souls are literally going out into eternity. And my question for you young people is what on earth, are you doing for heaven's sake? So, if you got any questions, my friends, we are loaded down with countless church activities while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing and winning the lost, is almost entirely neglected. So, if you got any questions, we'll be up. Uh, I'll be up. I got a little table up there in the uh, dining hall, and uh, that's pretty much it. So, thanks for your time. Try and meet us here at two o'clock if you can. If you can't, we sure appreciate your prayers. Thanks. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for the young people. I pray, Father, that you would motivate them to do the work of an evangelist while there is still day. Lord, we know the night is uh, is coming, and and we don't know when you're going to return, but it's going to be soon. So help us to be busy about your business for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.